Isaiah 56, and I'll be reading the uh, first through the eighth verse, that is Isaiah 56, the first through the eighth verse. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness. For my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who lays hold to it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath, who keeps his hand from doing any evil. Do not let the son of a foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, here I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath and choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. Even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name. Better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves in the Lord to serve him in the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, yet will I gather them, gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. Amen. I want to talk a little bit about maintaining justice. Keep justice and do righteousness. Keep justice and do righteousness. When I uh, was working at uh, in Baytown on a rather popular oil and gas plant, the first day I got there, I ran into a whole bunch of trouble. I ran into a whole bunch of trouble for really like the first two or three months. I was responsible for all the electronic equipment in the conference room, so microphones, speakers, uh, projectors, everything like that, and I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I'd be in one meeting, and somebody else would come and say, Johnny, we need you in our meeting because the projector won't turn on. Or, oh, I heard a loud pop and some sizzle from the projector, and this is what's happening. This microphone's not working over here. This ain't going to work over here. So I was running around with like a chicken with my head cut off. I was running around so much that uh, my pastor at the time even mentioned, uh, you look like you've lost about 15 pounds. <laughs> Because I had been doing all of this walking back and forth. 
I walked into a pretty testy situation. The company I was working for it just took over the audiovisual support contract along with some other contracts, and they didn't hire the person that was working with the previous company. So even though they were overlapping, the guy that had the job before me said, I'm not telling you where any of the conference rooms are. I'm not telling you where any of this is. I'm not going to allow you to shadow me. This was all before I got there, and I only had one, con one conversation with him by the time I finally got there. And the only thing he said was, don't call me if you need me. So I had to try to figure out where everything was at. But once I figured out where everything was at, I wrote it down and I got the manuals for every piece of equipment we had in there. And, and I was getting four and five calls a day, but that shut down as soon as I figured out where everything was. Because when I figured out where everything was, I figured out what kind of maintenance plan they needed to be on. What, how many times did the filters on the projectors need to be cleaned? How many times, did, how many times, when did the lamps in the projector need to be changed? I had all of that going, so by about the fourth month I was there, I made the job look real easy. Amen. I might have made it look too easy, hindsight being 2020, <laughs> but I knew beforehand, okay, this room's about to have a problem. Let me go order a lamp for it because it's on 1,900 hours and they only last to 2,000 hours, so let me swap that out. I know that these batteries last about this long and this kind of microphone, so I'm going to change that out. I'm going to touch every one of these rooms at least once a month so that I can make sure everything in that room was working. And as I did that, everything went down. It was maintenance. And then as the things changed, when they bought new equipment, when they bought new things, that kind of altered my maintenance plan. And I had to adapt. And I thought about that when I was thinking about this text because these people that Isaiah is writing to in the book of Isaiah, the, the, the author is writing to are dealing with some maintenance. Uh, stop me if you heard it before, but Isaiah is writing to an outcast people, people who are in a foreign land under a leader that don't, they don't particularly care too much for and this leader don't care too much particularly for them. They've been separated from their homeland. I'm, I'm in the book. I'm, I'm in the book. I'm, this is what's happening in Isaiah. And finally, they've got a little bit of reprieve by the time we get to Isaiah 56 because they have no, they're no longer exiled, but they are now coming back to Jerusalem trying to rebuild the temple, and the church folks can't get along. Uh, these people in Isaiah are suffering under an oppressor. It started with Nebuchadnezzar taking over Jerusalem, and then he put a king of his choice, Zedekiah, in power, and that king was paying tribute back to Nebuchadnezzar. But this king decided to try and double-cross Nebuchadnezzar, so Nebuchadnezzar then took over all of Jerusalem, and they lost everything. Uh, and, and so then, then they've, they've now tried to come back. And they're trying to rebuild the temple because the people of God cared greatly about the house of worship. They cared greatly about a place that they could come and practice and worship God. But even though they've gotten back home, even though they're working on building a new building, there's still some trouble in the church folk. There's still some trouble in, the, in, in this paradise that we have. And these prophecies are, are addressed to exiles who have returned to Babylon right before the building of the temple. They're still suffering from idolatry and hypocrisy and indifference. And, and Isaiah is prophesying concerning the responsibilities that they have towards the coming kingdom. 
trying to build a new building, trying to get in church, but the church is still full of some hypocrites. Uh, trying to get in the church and the church still has some people who have some idols. And it's not just church folk that we'd have to deal with in this. Even though Isaiah is writing to the church folk, I can say that that has to do with folk in the church and out of the church. Now, I would argue, though, that's why a lot of times some of the people who are out of the church won't come into the church because they see that same thing. Why would I waste time getting up on a Sunday morning to hear about this stuff when that same person that's in there trying to down talk me was in the club with me last night? Amen. And so we have this, and by the time we get to it, the the location has changed. They're no longer in Babylon. They're in the church. And these people have returned, and because these people have returned in Isaiah 56, there's a shift in the mood from the author. And it comes about these difficult decisions, the day-to-day matters, the the, the minutiae, the stuff that you have to do. Isaiah is talking to the godly people, the church folk, but we can apply this to outside the church as well. Everything that we do is a sequence of a bunch of smaller decisions. Uh, They say time and time again that it's not the big things that make people successful. It's the little things. When you pay attention to the minor details, that allows you to keep disciplined and that allows you to be successful in anything that you do. Paying attention to the little things. And so Isaiah tells these godly people uh, that that, that they need to keep justice and do righteousness. Uh, Justice has to do with what they would call impartial arbitration or equitable treatment. Sticking to an ideal that is right. In the Bible, it also means having a right relationship with God. It also denotes entitlement. I have a certain status, so I am afforded certain things with that status. There's a, and, and we deserve these things as if it is our legal right. Yes. But we don't get to determine the right. We don't get to determine who's in and who's out. We've been real good about trying to put certain people in and out, whether they have education or not, whether or not they live in the right neighborhood or not, whether or not they came from the right neighborhood or not, who did they marry, who do they associate with, who are they friends, who are they... We've tried to put people in these boxes, but the fact of the matter is is that we do not get to determine anybody else's status as hard as we try. We do not get to determine who gets to receive justice and who does not. It does not matter how many tiki torches you buy. It does not matter how many hoods you put on or how many hoods you do not put on. You do not get to determine somebody else's status in life. Deuteronomy tells us not to deprive, in Deuteronomy 24 tells us not to deprive the stranger of justice. We deserve justice. And, and, the, and the problem that many times that we've had with this new religion coming around and why people seem to have a problem with it both in the Bible and these days is it upsets the natural order of things. Uh, people who are supposed to be on the bottom rung of society, Uh those people that we don't care about, they get status 
in this thing. So if you thought that women shouldn't have certain statuses in things and this religion comes around and says that there's no male or female. And you get that status that upsets the natural order of things. When, the, when this, this new religion comes around and says there's no Jew or Greek, uh, there, 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 there's these things that upset it. And even though the church folk sometimes will still try to divide people amongst these things, there is no status. Uh, and it says keep justice. Uh, some translations say do. Others say keep. But the more accurate translation would be maintenance. Or maintain. And see, when you maintain something, it's an ongoing process. You don't just to get do, do it one time and expect to be okay for the rest of your life. Justice must be maintained. You can't just eat one salad and expect your cholesterol to go down. Uh, you cannot just run up and down the block one time and expect your heart to work at a good way. You can't just vote one time and expect the entire infrastructure to change. It's ongoing maintenance. You have to keep fighting. Just because who you wanted got in office don't mean it's all good. Just because who you didn't want got in office don't mean you need to give up. It is an ongoing process. You can't put gas in your car one time and be good for the rest of the year. You can't eat one time and be good for the rest of the year. It is a continual ongoing process. Just because we are in a nice building does not mean we need to stop as believers feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, and binding up the rooms of the afflicted. Just because you did homework in the first nine weeks of the first half of the semester doesn't mean you got to stop doing homework for the rest of the semester. You have to keep working. Anything you have to work at, you have to keep doing. And we have to keep this justice. We have to maintain this justice. It has to be ongoing because we don't do it for ourselves. We maintain justice to please God. Uh, Isaiah 50 and 8 says, He is near who justifies me, who will contend with me. Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let's come, let him come near me. Isaiah 51 and 5 says, Righteousness is near. My salvation is going forth, and my arms will judge the people. The coastlands wait upon me, and on my arm they will trust. We have to keep maintaining justice. Philippians 4 and 5 says, Let your gentleman, gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Isaiah 10, 1 and 3 says, says, woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees, who write misfortune, which they have prescribed to rob the needy of justice, and then to, to take what is right from the poor of my people. The widows may be their prey, and that which they rob are the fatherless, but what will you do in the day of punishment, and the desolation which will come from afar? For whom to whom will you flee, for you need help, and where will you leave your glory? Time and time again, God talks about justice. Justice. And not only does he talk about justice, but he talks about not beating up on those who are less fortunate than you. Ah, Jeremiah says, thus says the Lord, execute just judgment and righteousness and deliver, and, and deliver the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong and do no, strange, do no violence rather to the stranger of the fatherless or the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. We got to treat people better. Yeah. 
And Amos 5 and 24 says, now let justice roll down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. How we take care of people is, a, is, an, is an indication of our king. I've heard people say in, in, in time, before that the, the, the indication of a king is how the lowest of the lowest are doing in that community. Amen. If the lowest of the lowest, when they talk about the widows and the orphans and the fatherless, these were people in the Bible who couldn't take care of themselves. Yeah. What are we doing to take care of those who can't take care of themselves? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We need to maintain the justice. Ah, and God gives, and he says that we need to maintain the justice, and it might be going, not might be, it is ongoing. And the text goes on to say in your hearing, when we get to verses 3 through 5, it talks about these eunuchs, those who are incapable of, of producing. And they, they took one part of the scripture in Deuteronomy where it says that the eunuchs won't be allowed to worship. And so in Isaiah, they're talking about this, and they're saying that these people should not be allowed in. But that is not what God says. Uh, we, they, 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 the eunuch's concern is lack of, of admission to the temple. But what we should be concerned about is our own status in getting into the house of God. We ought not be able to try to exclude people out. If somebody wants Jesus, we got to be willing to give it to them. Uh, the text says to don't let them say it. Uh, do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself said to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. Uh, it may feel like things are going bad. But once you start talking to yourself bad, it's no longer going to feel like it's bad. It's actually going to be bad. We have to be willing to tell ourselves that we are the righteousness of God. We have to be willing to tell ourselves that we are the apple of God's eye. We got to be willing to tell ourselves we are the head and not the tail. We got to be willing to tell ourselves that we can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives us strength. Because if we can't tell it to ourselves, nobody else is going to be willing to tell it to us. We have to be willing to tell ourselves the good things. Self-esteem, as one comedian said, esteem of yourself. Right. <laughs> How we talk to ourselves is important. We ought to be willing to get up every day in the morning and look ourselves in the mirror and say, you are God's child. Yeah. You are above and never shall yeah. be beneath. You are the lender and not the bar. You are the head and not the tail. If you can't tell yourself that, you can't expect nobody else to tell himself. If you beat up on yourself, everybody else is going to join in and beat up on you too. But if you tell yourself good things, they'll join in and tell you other things. So that's why it says don't. Let them say these things. So not only are we not supposed to say it, but we got to watch how the people who are around us talk. We have to guard our mouths and our ears and understand that we are the righteousness of God in the apple of his eye. And pay attention to those things. And he says, don't let them say that because they're in the family of God. And because they're in the family of God, they ought not be talking bad about themselves. And you can't be around me talking bad about yourself. Mm -hmm. That's a reflection of God's children. 
Uh, and so they, they say this to, to make sure that as this new temple gets built and as these people return back to Jerusalem, that even though they may have been foreigners, they were born outside the family. They weren't born and raised in the church in the fourth generation. And their great-grandfather poured the concrete for the parking lot. And their great-grandmother sold the, the altar covers together. They, just because they weren't born in the family, they still got all the access. They still got all the rights, lights, and benefits. They still get all the privileges of being a child of God. Doesn't matter when they came in. If they're in, they're in. Uh, and so they're not looked on as second class citizens, and their sacrifices are accepted, and they get to experience God's joy in the temple. Uh, and so we got to maintain this justice. And what do we do when we find injustice? Uh, the first thing we need to understand when we find injustice is not to return evil for evil. Amen. It's very hard to do, but I've learned and I've come to an understanding that some of these people who do evil live in that area. I'm just passing through. And so while I may have thought I got my revenge, they, they live in that area. So they'll make this, you get, Mark Twain said not to argue with fools because they'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. If that ain't your life, don't go down that area. You return the evil for evil, they got evil stockpiled up to pour on you. You might have had one of good shots, but you about to get a barrage. Don't return the evil for evil. And so we can't return the evil with evil when we meet the injustice, but we also understand when the next thing we got to do is get active. Uh, it, it's one thing to call yourself an activist and be on Facebook and Twitter and posting a lot of stuff, uh, seeming pretty angrily, but more damage is done at our city council meetings, at our school board meetings, uh, with the mayor, uh, in our teacher, in our classrooms, with our students, our day-to-day. -day. There are more things done that are doing more damage than anything you can do by ranting and raving on Facebook and Twitter. I'm not saying don't get angry at injustice by all means, but what are we going to do about it? These people don't get in power that do injustice by just popping up on the scene. It's not a national effort. By the time it becomes a national effort, it's too late. You missed them in city council. You missed them as state legislators. You missed them as, then, then they're senators and congressmen and, and out in front and doing stuff or running for president. You missed them then because you didn't stop it when it was young. Amen. So we got to not return evil for evil, but we also have to get active. And the next thing we got to do is pray. Let the church say pray. pray. Uh, Second Chronicles says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them for heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. If we're going to maintain this justice, we're going to have to pray. We can't do it by ourselves. It's great to organize, but it's also great to pray because we have the best, largest resource that we have access to in prayer. Yeah. 
We don't just pray. Notice I said don't return evil for evil. I also said get active. And let me say get active locally and pray. I didn't say just pray. I didn't say just pray. Prayer is great, but we have to do things as well. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. James tells us that we can't just go up to somebody and tell them to be clothed and warm in the name of Jesus and move on about our way. We got to do some things and couple that with the prayer. So don't return the evil for evil. Get active. Pray. And then we've got to let the outcasts in. Uh, It says that the Lord who gathers all the outcasts of Israel says, yes, I will gather to them others besides those who are gathered to him. Uh, We got to be willing to work with people that don't look like us, don't talk like us, don't make as much money as we do, don't have as much education as we do, don't live on the same town as us, don't live on, that that, that is a problem I've had with social media in general. It's it's got algorithms in it. These mathematical formulas that they look at what you like and what you search for in Google and who your friends list are and it starts working so that you keep getting fed the information that only suits what you believe already. They've got it all the way figured out and so the only kind of articles that will pop up on your timeline, the only kind of things that will show up on your news feed is stuff that goes towards what you already feel. But we've got to be willing to step outside of those who are not the anointed, those who are not the chosen generation and the royal priesthood and those who are just like that, that aren't meeting up to our standards. We're going to have to go out and get to other people and it says let the outcasts in. And we have to let the outcasts in. And it says that the Lord who gathers, the, the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, Yet I will gather to them others besides those who are gathered to him. So there are going to be some people outside of our normal expectations yes. that'll be up here worshiping with us. All right. Amen. I'm in the book. And if you don't like, if you don't like what Isaiah had to say about it, let's go to John. John chapter 10, 16, it says, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. I'm going to say it again because I liked it that much. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Don't return evil for evil. Get active. Pray and let these outcasts in. Because Jesus is willing to let them in. And if you really think about it, we ain't all that to begin with. I know we might have a little bit of status. I know we might have a little bit of letters behind our name. I know we might have done some things and been some places and traveled to do some things and got a big old house and a nice car. I know we might be doing some things, but we are not any more special than anybody else. We are all sinners saved by grace. We are all but filthy rags if it had not been for Jesus Christ's work on the cross. And he says in the text that he will give them a name. There is a name that I love to hear. I love 
to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. He didn't have to do it, but he did. Went all the way to Calvary and died on that cross for our sins. He didn't have to get up on the third day, but he did. And he doesn't have to come back with all power in his hands, but he will. And he did that for us. And so because he did that for all of us, we got to be willing to share that with other people. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.